Bullshit. Ever get frustrated with your outside vendors or strategic partners? Then this episode's for you. It's the No BS Marketing Show. I'm Dave Mastovich, CEO and founder of Mass Solutions, your no bullshit marketing firm. Even when you think you're going to save time and you hire a firm to work with, you still have to manage any resource that you employ as a leader, whether that's a full-time in-house employee or an external vendor partner, some of your time as a leader and manager will be required to make it work. And that can lead to some frustration because leaders will need to engage outside strategic partners to achieve their goals and to grow. It's just really how it is in business. So you need to be able to find those outside experts. But many leaders struggle to make that decision. They put off hiring the outside experts for a number of reasons. Could be cost. It could be trust or lack thereof. Misperception of what the outside party can do or will do or does do. And the concern that in addition to the cost, it's going to take up a bunch of time to get that vendor partner up to speed and you're going to have to manage them. Since we know that you're going to have to hire outside strategic partners, how can you figure out how much time a particular external vendor might require of you before you engage them? Well, here are five must-ask questions during the interview discovery phase with a potential external strategic vendor. Number one, ask how they build their project plan. This might seem like it's obvious or should be an easy one for them to answer, but you'll be surprised how many don't you provide you with a clear process. Or they might give you what sounds like a scripted answer. So you need to probe, asking about specific examples of what they do and how they do it. So that's number one. How do they build their project plan? Number two is ask who specifically is going to be the project team lead. Who are they going to work with the most and why? The and why is pretty critical because you don't want to hear an answer that they stammer and stumble then say, because that's who has the capacity right now. That happens in many times. Well, we're putting them on the project. They're not as busy as they could be. That's not a great reason. You'd rather them say, well, I want this person on the project because she has extensive experience with your industry or he has done projects similar to what you're asking to have done and we know that he can do well or that she's going to bring something to the table unique. So this, the, the question then becomes, Number two is who specifically will be working on the project as the lead and why. Then ask how that person manages their time. This question leads to two types of responses. The first is, what? What are they even asking? What's that even mean? How do I manage my time? What do you mean? Why would you ask me how I manage my time? This is a sign that that person might be a reactive planner or follow a reactive planning approach. They might cross that bridge when they come to it. 
If that's the case, you need to know that you might be asked to jump in unexpectedly to answer questions or provide feedback or review something. You need to know that and whether that matches your style or not because that's going to impact how much time you spend on the project. You might have to keep on them a little bit and you might even have to catch some details that they overlooked. But they might also be creative and come from an inspirational standpoint and under pressure come up with things and turn things around quickly too. The second response to this third question of how you manage your time is, great, I love it. I can't wait to explain how I plan my day, my week, my month, how I manage projects, how I juggle things, how I multitask, how I get things done. This is probably more of a proactive planner who will push things along and be detailed. They'll provide you specific direction. But like all things, there's another side. Sometimes this might seem like they're pestering you. They might seem like they're pushy, uh, but they tend to deliver. It's about how you and your style are and making sure that you match up your style with that project team leads style of managing their time. Otherwise, how will we manage your time? How will we keep your time spent on this strategic partner to a minimum? You're going to get frustrated and have a bad perception of the company if your management style and your time management style don't match up with the time management style of this individual. What's unfair about that is you get a bad perception about the company, the project, the results, when really it was one person at that company and you had a style issue, an approach issue, and a process issue with. doesn't make you wrong. You're right. You're the customer and you have to make sure that works. That's why I'm telling you question three is to find out how that team lead is on your project, how they manage their time. And the fourth, one, fourth question is ask how that person prefers to communicate. Listen for specifics as you, so you can pick up what their desired channel is or the dominance of one channel. Could be email, could be Slack, could be text messages. How often do they want to meet in person? Probe about the frequency of communications. Then, this is the important part, tell them how you like to communicate and what you expect them to do as far as communicating. Now, Here's what happens when I speak. When I speak, when I do a podcast, when I do keynotes, when I do workshops, when I write blogs, I get people going, of course, like I don't already know that. And I just want to say, come on, you're full of shit. That's bullshit. Because what I just told you, you don't do. How do I know that? Because it isn't done with us. We have to say again and again to our clients, how do you like to communicate? How do you communicate? What's your channel of choice? How often do you communicate? How do you want us to communicate? People don't do these things that I'm telling you to do. So that listener out there that just thought, nah, it's pretty basic. That Dave's just talking about basic stuff. I'm going to do it again for you. That's bullshit. That's what it is. It's bullshit. Just because someone can simplify a message does not mean that it's simple. I want to say that again because this has been an albatross and a burden my entire life. Just because someone can simplify a message does not mean that that makes it simple to implement. 
What it does is it makes it simple to understand and you have to commit to implementing it. So the four things I've said so far today are straightforward. There's nothing that made you think, oh, wow, that's really helpful. And that's a problem. That's your problem, not mine. That's your problem, not mine, because you have to realize that you aren't asking them how they'd like to communicate and you aren't telling them what you expect to do as far as communicate, what you expect them to do. And then when they do say, oh, that's great. Yes, yes, we'll, we'll give you a weekly summary. You got to dig deeper and find out how many other clients that they're working with and have worked with have the same style of communication as you and the same expectation of communication as you. And you'll hear the answers of how often that was. And if it's not that often, you have to know going in that your approach, your process, your style, not all subjective. I don't want to say subjective because a lot of times people say, that writing style is just different. You just want my write. No, that's not true. That's not true or fair either. It's not just a style thing. It's a process thing. It's a style thing. It's a system thing all combined. So if you think this is all basic and you're already doing it, great, you're a bullshitter. But if you think you can learn and do better from this, listen and do these things proactively. Ask the strategic partner these questions. Number five is ask for specific examples of when things got off track and how they handled the communication with the client. Ask for specific examples of when things got off track and how they handled the communication with the client and how they fixed it. Again, probe for specifics because projects always get off track at some point. You need to know how they communicate when that happens and what they do to get it back on track because then you can estimate how much of your time will be spent managing, leading, and communicating around the project. Tell your potential external strategic partner that there's a cost to the time you spend managing, leading, and communicating on this project and tell them that the more time that you're required to do on the project is an added cost and you then begin to perceive them as more expensive with each hour they use of your time and less efficient with each hour you use of their time. Tell them that that's going to impact the relationship. Again, you're saying, oh, of course, Dave, but are you doing it? And the answer is the vast majority of you aren't. I hate to say you're a BSer, but you aren't. It takes in tremendous discipline. All of us are guilty of not doing these things that I just said, including me. We all have to be diligent and disciplined about asking these questions and being clear about how we want to be communicated to and with and what our expectations are when things go awry and how we want to manage the project and how we want to be managed. Be clear about it. You can figure it out on the front end and reduce some of the potential frustrations. That's my advice on how you can get more out of your external strategic partners or heaven forbid if you call them vendors, how you can get more out of that relationship by asking the five must-ask questions, probing on those questions, getting those answers, and being clear about which direction you want to go in. Thanks for listening to another episode of the No BS Marketing Show. Remember, ask yourself, what's the big idea? And build your story around the answer. It's all about bold solutions, no BS.